Welcome to the Blatt cast. It is I, Christian Blatt, the Blatt in the cast of the Blatt cast. And every time I say that, it always sounds really creepy and always very uncomfortable when I say it. See, I Our, think of like Blatman. Yeah, Blatman and Robin. <laughs> like a kind of shitty version of Batman. Yeah. Oh, no, better, better. Better, Sorry, better version. Yeah, thank you. That was very offensive. Uh, with me as always and uncomfortable whenever I say in the cast, Captain EO himself at Jeff Duray across multiple social media platforms. Uh, once again, right back out there on assignment with the Will Taraj, Will Sterling. But you know what? At Will Sterling underscore at Motivate Report because that's what we do on the Black Cast. And secretly at Big Willie Stylin. Now that's true. That is definitely true. He is secretly at Big Willie Stylin. But in his absence, uh, I would like to say we've traded up. We've gotten an improvement over the one and only Will Sterling. We have the one and only Mr. Tom Kelly making a triumphant return to the Black Cast. Tom, welcome back. That's me clapping for myself alone. Will Sterling never would have coined you this new nickname. Anyone ever call you the Blat in the Hat? Uh, it, it has come up, the Blat in the Hat. Uh, my Damn. favorite is Blatman Do. That's the one that I like, but uh, because there's a song called Catman Do. And uh, oh, yeah, Blatman Do fits in there. And also, Catman Do's a place. So, you know, there's. Yeah, that. no, I mean, I, and that sounds like back in the days when you were single, uh, that's a great, great pickup line. <laughs> Let me take you to Blatman like, Do. Hey, baby, want to go to b -b 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 Blatman Do? And it usually worked. Uh, Tom has been on the Black Cast a couple times talking about. A sort of inexplicable phenomenon uh, that was known as Blatt's Girls. And yes. uh, every once in a while, I'll post a, a picture from the Tomorrow Show, and there are a lot of uh, very lovely young women that work on that show. And periodically, I'll just get a random comment on the bottom down on Instagram, Blatt's Girls Live On or Live Again or something. Well, well may I just uh, briefly explain that uh, before... Uh, and then, quite frankly, even including his marriage, Christian had a reputation of just dating multiple women who are just way out of his league. Now, and, and he, now and he married now, one. I, too, I was going to say, frankly. now we have to stop down cold and explain that I married above my league. That's not to say that once I got married, I continued to also date out of my league on the side, which could have been inferred with what you said. In fact, Jeff is our <laughs> official court stenographer of the Black Cast, and he actually says that the record shows that uh, I ran around a lot. Do you want lot. me to read it back to yes, you? Yes, please do. Remember that time you was out cheating? That was real cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Yeah, it sure was. Uh, but well, look, I don't know. I always got along better with women than with men. What can I say? You know, it, it's uh, it's not my fault that I'm so goddamn charming. Yeah, well, it's not your penis's fault either. It's... <laughs> By the way, do you have the wacky horn? I, I forgot uh, to tell you to bring if it. If you pause, I, I can see the wacky horn. It's just in the other room. Should I get my wacky well, horn? Well, sure. Why don't you get it? And I'll tell everyone to make sure they follow at Blackcast on Twitter because we jump it. We dove right in again, Jeff. I, I didn't get all the social media out there. At Blackcast on Instagram as well. The Blackcast on Facebook. You know, when we cover so much, we're, you know, basically the internet, every corner of the internet has some Blackcast. Oh, except Snapchat. So actually, it's not every corner of the Instagram. Uh, there's well, no Blackcast Tinder page either. What about no. a Blackcast Tumblr? Uh, you know what? We have a Blackcast Live Journal. Is that good? <laughs> yeah, that's a, great. A Blackcast GeoCities page. So, Tom, you... Catch uh, us on MySpace. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Catch uh, us on Friendster at... <laughs> anytime there's there's old internet jokes, Tom's uh, very excited. <laughs> yeah, hold on, hold on. I was distracted in my Blackcast AOL chat room. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and of course, everyone's favorite... <laughs> 
everyone's favorite news group, rec.arts.podcast.blackcast. <laughs> That's my own personal favorite. In any case, I, I think we've explained it in the past, but you know, believe it or not, we do add new listeners sometimes to the Blackcast. Uh, talk about the Wacky Horn and why it's the perfect accompaniment to our Blackcast bell. God, I, I had a podcast back when, uh, quite frankly, podcasting was new and MySpace was still a thing. And my friend Mike thought I made corny jokes and got a bicycle horn. And we cre- and it basically is sort of the wacky one. It's, uh, whenever I tell a and- wacky joke, he liked to wacky – he liked to whack his horn. <laughs> so the interesting thing, of course, is your show, which was called This Show Again, which I think was – it was kind of like this shit again, but then it was like, well, let's not put a bad word in there, and it turned into this show again, which actually made sense. It was literally the first podcast I ever listened to, and I know I've also talked about this before. The only way that I was able to figure out how to listen to it was I downloaded it on my laptop, burned it onto a CD, and listened to it in the car. Because yeah, I didn't, it. I didn't, yeah, I, never, I, I was podcasting uh, Big Willie Stylin, basically. So what I did was record on a cassette tape from my stereo. Yeah. Well, I could have gone that step further and then recorded from the cassette, I mean, sorry, from the CD onto a cassette. And then, of course, put it on a giant reel-to-reel. But uh, I'm glad that the Wacky Horn lives on. Uh, I, I'm afraid to ask, are there many occasions that you get to use the Wacky Horn, say, in the bedroom, perhaps? You know, it is there just in case, but unfortunately, no. Uh, but if I ever uh, start dating a clown, I'm ready. <laughs> like Yucko the Clown? <laughs> well, I, I, dude, uh, actually, my friend, the guy I did the podcast with, uh, brother, my friend Pete McGarrigal, at one point uh, reconnected with an ex-girlfriend from high school who started dating a uh, clown. Uh, or oh. the girl became a clown. Basically, his he start, my friend Pete was dating a clown in the year 2000 when the internet was new. The year 2000. And actually, this is I like when that. I knew Christian. And I yeah. would sit at the desk with Jenny Kramer, and I started looking for uh, clown porn on the internet. Oh, and no. it was there. Like, I mean, it's oh, just, it, it, it was the definitely there. Realized. Oh, God. Yeah, how much, you, how much, like, the fountain of trash that the internet was. And we created an email account, bubbles at hotmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> bubbles because she was because she was bubbles the clown oh my goodness and, and we just started sending him clown porn chicken. every day uh <laughs> and he just refused we would call from uh maria noteris's office i would go to maria noteris's office use her phone and start playing be a clown be a clown be a clown and yes i had the wacky horn and we just like leave messages on his home answering machine of I and it brought me so much joy. I don't think you've ever told me this before, by the way. I don't think, you know, and I, I knew that you dabbled in all sorts of online porn, but I didn't know that uh, clown porn was a thing. What it, oh. one, one thing it reminds me of, uh, and hold that thought, I don't want you to forget what you're going to say, is when I was an intern at SNL, uh, the, the great Colin Quinn sent me out, and he's like, I need you to go out and buy some weird porn, and this is going to tell us a lot about you, what you come back with, you know, because it's like, if it's not that war, it's if it's not that weird, then, you know, we're going to know you're really uptight. And I found a magazine called Over 50, there was a magazine called Over 60, and there was one that was just feet. So I felt like I did okay, but I didn't know if they wanted, you know, let's just say any kind of photos where you need to put plastic down first, you know, uh, things going places they shouldn't be, you know, that sort of thing. A foot 
Like, how did that foot get in there? But I'm sorry, uh, my uh, talk down memory lane with a minor name drop uh, probably derailed a thought that you were about to have, Tom. What was it? Oh, but the, the thought is just that, that uh, what, what you talk about the value of having a bicycle horn in your home at all times. It's it's a it's a useful tool. I can't say that I don't use this occasionally. The uh, the, the <laughs> wacky bell. Uh, by the way, I, you know I introduced you, uh, Tom Kelly. But uh, at Tom Kelly Show on Twitter is that also Instagram? What's all yeah, of your? Yeah, I'm Tom Kelly Show. All kidding aside, I am Tom Kelly Show on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and uh, Match.com. Oh, on Match.com, you're Tom I mean, Kelly Show. I, I, I mean, I have the profile hidden right now just because uh, I, I've gotten uh, more comfortable with my loneliness, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> but you talk about hitting that point of officially being dead inside when you're single. It's when you match your Match.com name to your Twitter name uh, because you just don't want to pay the 25 bucks a month. No, exactly. And you know what? It, it's it, it's good. It's good branding to get it out there. You know, I think, branding, yes. you know, it's the, the Tom Kelly show brand. Now, one of the things we've talked about in the past is that you do warm up for the view and you've had that job for quite some time now, more than 10 years. How many? God, how, I think I think I'm at 11 years. Yeah. Now. Yes. And the interesting thing I saw, I think I saw somebody, somebody posted it and you commented, but through, you know, look, it's hard to imagine any TV show, and that show's been on for 17, 18 years at this point. But uh, for no reason that anyone can figure out, other than the show just continues to deliver what it always does, ratings are actually up now. And we talk a lot about TV and how, you know, I don't know, I think Conan O'Brien's Tonight Show was kind of funny, but what do I know? You know, and uh, it, it's crazy, right, that uh, a show in whatever this is, the 20th season, all of a sudden it's like, hey, we get some more eyeballs. Well, the ratings, uh, you know, God, actually, I want to be careful about talking about the show officially, but how many how many listeners is Blackcast up to before I get too honest? At uh, least three. It, yeah, like, yeah, there's, there's Jeff, myself, you, and I think Heather's going to listen. Uh, Good. Let's, let's just say okay. it's in the hundreds, not the thousands. <laughs> okay. Well, then uh, the right way to say this is for um, for Heather and uh, if Sicardo listens in or anybody else we yeah, know. Yeah, probably listen to this one. Um, but yeah, the, you know, I mean, it's, here's the funny thing about the show before I get the, I think TV overall is down, but the show is on the upswing. And I think right now with Trump being president, uh, geez, I think it's more important than ever to have smart people talking about crazy, uh, news, whatever your political opinions are. Uh, there's a lot of politics out there to have opinions on. I'm, I'm uh, sorry. So, uh, so uh, who who's the president? That something you said just didn't make sense. I, president I Trump, or or, or we mm, or huh. will be? I don't will know. he be impeached by the time this airs? I I, I just don't understand what he's saying. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, Honestly, I know I know both of those words. I know the word president. I know the word Trump. But put together, look, yeah, I apparently need to pay more attention to the to <laughs> the, the headlines. Oxymoronic about yeah, that. Yeah, interesting. Um, huh. Anyway, Jeff, you you had a thought. I was just gonna say it's it's interesting because I was just thinking yesterday. Um, I was just flipping through, watching random YouTube videos just because sometimes that's a fun way to pass some time. Absolutely. And I was like, wow, this presidency is really just going to be rife for parody, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be like in the early 2000s when Bush was just a big joke. He wasn't like a scary warmonger yet. He was just like a, this silly, dumb president. And they, those South Park guys made a show. That's about my him. Bush, which is one of my favorite sitcoms mm -hmm. in television that history. Was a great it was sitcom. so funny. Yeah. And, and I feel like we kind of, that's when, to me at least, The Daily Show was probably at its best. And maybe The Colbert Report, too, where it was, they had 
good fodder to make great jokes. Yeah. Problem is, I don't love most of the hosts <laughs> of those shows anymore. So you're like, come on, we can't even get like good comedians to make fun of like the funniest president ever. You know, it's a really good point. And and Tom and I, uh, while we never got our PhD in late night television, I think we we at least minored in it in college. And you know, I, I think I did some a graduate degree at least in in late night. And uh, we're big proponents of the medium and huge fans of people that have done it. But I I don't watch. Any, I don't, I don't watch anybody right now. And sometimes I'll yeah. see a video, and I tell you, most of the videos that people post, I, I just kind of skip it. Uh, every once in a while, I'm like, okay, enough people are talking about it, posting it, I'll see this. And some of it's cool, like, oh, you know, Jimmy Fallon has Metallica playing Andrew Salmon on children's instruments, stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm drawn to stuff like that. But it, it's, yeah, I mean, even. Even the last presidential election before this one, you still had you still had John Stewart, you still had Letterman, you know, and I mean Conan's still on right now. He's going to be down to one day a week, and um, I don't I don't know I don't need people to tell me that uh, Trevor Noah is funny because I know he is not funny. He's uh, not. He doesn't know how to use intonation yeah. in, in storytelling for American journalism. He's great for the world perspective stuff. I guess, if you say so. Is, he's okay <laughs> you know, because he gives you an outside perspective. Yeah. I, I personally enjoy No, I, look, like I can that. understand. Look, you know, there's a there's a British uh, chat show host, Graham Norton. He's very mm -hmm. funny. So yeah. you, can, you can have an accent and be funny. But as I've talked about before... The South African accent drives me crazy. My friend yeah. Gil, my friend Gil's <laughs> no. wife has that accent. She's one of the nicest people I've ever met, and I, I just sometimes my eyes will glaze over, and I, and I think, is she done talking yet? Because uh, it's hurting my ears. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> what were you going to say? Just a joke, no, Gil. And, by and the way, I if you that, listen, no, I'm I think you just made a great point. There is, I find the British accent is perfect for judging uh, American politics, whereas the South African accent to me as a Long Islander just sounds like a British person was in an accident <laughs> and is still trying to recover. Maybe they had a stroke. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, it's funny because uh, our friend Tim Sicardo talks about sometimes when people have a really thick New England accent, it sounds like a speech impediment, yeah. you know, and I would say, you know, the key to what you just said is that you grew up on Long Island and you can't listen to the South African accent, you know, where, where like the classiest women you knew sounded like Snooky. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Quite frankly, and Snooki was much classier than the women I grew up with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I you know, and I went to I went to college with a lot of girls from Long Island, and you know, look, guys too. But you just I don't know why. Maybe I just notice it more on girls because I would be talking to them, trying to recruit them for bots girls. I don't know. Look, there's there's a lot of well, reasons. <laughs> well, you have to remember that Long Island girls who went to Marist were the ones that got turned down for Barbizon Beauty Academy. <laughs> <laughs> They, uh, yeah, they weren't DeVry material is, <laughs> yes. is a problem. And, of course, we always have to go local, you and I. They couldn't afford the toolbox at Apex yes. Tech, which oh, man. it's a very New you York reference. But uh, You throw in a WPIX Channel 11 reference, and I I'm on board. I'm oh, resubscribing oh, oh, to this show. Okay, you want one? Picks. 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 Picks, yeah. <laughs> and we've talked about that on the Blackcast before, too. The uh, And I think, Jeff, you were there. I talked about it with Christian Toto. It was a video game that you played on the phone through the television on WPIX Channel 11 in New York. And it was basically like you would say picks and they would shoot 
a gun and you try and blow up a spaceship and you could win a prize. Not a cash prize, by the way, like a really <laughs> shitty prize. And it's amazing. And it's like people that are of a certain age from New York or the New York area. Remember Picks, the video game. And what do you mean you're going to resubscribe to the Black Cast? How dare you unsubscribe? What? We, we did one episode. Sorry, of, I was distracted. I was just playing Picks. We, we did one episode about Doctor Who and you were all out at that point. You're like, forget it. You know, but... You know, I'm going to bet you've downloaded any episode that you were on. So there's at oh, least oh, that. First of all, that's the first thing I'm, uh, I can't. Here's what I hate about the medium of podcasting is that we'll have a great show and I'm going to have to wait a blank number of days to listen to uh, myself, try to correct myself and count how many times I stutter. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was explaining. Actually, I was explaining this to Will, not to Jeff. Uh, since I've kind of not even kind of since I've taken over the editing of the black cast and posting it, I listen to it and I take out a lot of ums and pauses. And I don't just take out my ums, by the way, but it's very apparent that there's times where I take long pauses and I'm just like, you could you could fit a plug in there. You know, you could be like, <laughs> yeah. Blackcast.com, you know, and and in some ways I think it would be funny to to add in plugs in there. And by the way, when I said the plugs, I did not mention Blackcast.com for all of your Blackcast needs. So there it is. But uh, yeah. yeah. But if I may just draw your attention to the editing, the last time I was on the show, uh, you sounded like uh, you were giving a great speech a la, I don't know, uh, James Earl Jones. And I sounded like I was auditioning to be the guy in the King's Speech. Oh, you mean b before he uh, sat down and? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was like, I, 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 you, you just, you kept all my stutters in. I'll tell you that. Well, that was before I started editing the show. So uh, actually, we used to not edit the show at all because other people, uh, Jeff included, uh, for most, well, most of the last two years, it was Jeff, and then before that, it, it was Liev, the guy with the hot cousin, if you remember, yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm the guy who wanted to bang his own hot cousin. Because just saying he has a hot cousin does not really tell the story very well, does it, Jeff? Nope. Yeah. So, Plenty anyway. people out there with hot cousins. Yeah, exactly. But, but, most but when you live below the Mason-Dixon line, <laughs> there's an implication with that. <laughs> and, and what does it say that I'm not following Liev on social media, but I am following the hot cousin? Oh, uh, well, you know, he doesn't follow himself. So, you know, <laughs> although that's not what I've heard. Anyway, so... <laughs> I will do my part to – but see, you sound great today, and I felt like you sounded great in the Star Trek episode that we did. But uh, by the way, speaking of Star Trek, yet another delay for the the new series, the CBS All Access streaming series. So this means it's going to be really, really good, right, that it keeps getting delayed, right? I think the network is so bad that they don't know what to do with that show. I yeah. think they're, the way, their means of distribution CBS is not ready for. I, I think you're absolutely right. I and guess Jeff. CBS, the channel for old people, tried to launch a streaming service that its entire audience won't understand, and it will fall on its face. Well, it's not like they're putting an extra NCIS on the app. It's like <laughs> it's like the spinoff to The Good Wife and Star Trek, you know. But it's a good point, you know. It's like, oh yeah, so we're gonna reboot Matlock, but you have to watch it on your phone. What? I have to watch it on... That on. sounds a lot like <laughs> something MacGyver would do. <laughs> By the way, wasn't there a MacGyver reboot this season? Oh, yeah, that's why I brought it up. Is it yeah. still on? I, I refuse to watch shows that are like reboots of shows I uh, didn't want to watch the first time. Well, it's not a show, and I'm stunned that I enjoy it and a little bit embarrassed to admit, but I talked about this when we had our friend Alexis on the show. 
Lethal Weapon, it's actually really funny. The show? Yeah, the TV show. I like it because I it's probably because I like Damon Wayans. It sets me because I've heard that yeah. and, and I would watch it, but I'm just like, no, never again. But the guy the guy on the show who is in the Mel Gibson part, he likes Jews. So you see, it's better than the movies in that way. <laughs> You know what? I don't know that he likes Jews. Actually, he might hate them too. So you know, it might be a prerequisite sure. to play the character. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's part of like the casting. <laughs> like, and uh, tell us how you feel about the Semites. Are you anti? <laughs> like, I'm kind of indifferent. Mm, we're gonna need anti. We'll well, we'll call you I, back. And the show is so pro-Jewish that we're gonna call it Yiddish Weapon. So anyway, we haven't really talked about anything. That's the best part <laughs> is, uh, you know, we've talked about little bits of things, but it's a lot of kind of reminding people uh, about about us, how we know each other. Although actually we didn't mention that we, well, we were interns at NBC and then we were NBC Pages. And the best way to play, explain NBC Pages, of course, is Kenneth from 30 Rock. Tom, how did you explain what that job was before we had Kenneth on 30 Rock to point to? Because I can't even remember what we said. I think I said slave labor in a polyester suit. <laughs> That's fairly accurate, actually. That makes me think of Kenneth Allen Posse. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I used the phrase, I was being raped for having dreams. Oh, well, I, I had my dreams raped, so it's, you know. Welcome to the millennial generation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, now I can't even imagine. You know, there were. it's got to be so hard to... Uh, it's got to be so difficult to to be getting into that NBC page program because they have standards and, you know, they make you well, interview. Your parents don't get to call and say, well, I mean, I guess, you know, depending on who your parents are. But for the most part, people's parents are going, uh, my daughter's going to be a page, okay, because she's really good. Which I think in our day, I mean, looking around the room, some of the people that we were with, that had to be what happened, right? Well, I mean, uh, what, and I don't want to rehash the conversation if we've had it too many times before, but Christian and I were, you know, average, you know, average students from, you know, average universities. Yes, very uh, comparable, working, very comparable Northeastern universities that both have political polls that get cited by news outlets the Marist poll and the Quinnipiac poll. Ah, uh, Quinnipiac. I, I don't know. If, yeah, so, and basically, oh, Jeff, and they, by the way, we Jeff's, were Jeff's, sister, Jeff's sister went to Quinnipiac, he just said. Mm -hmm. Oh, did you? Well, what year did she graduate? She just went for her freshman year, which would have been 04. Oh, 03, 04. way after Tom's time. Way after. Way after even the time I had pretend to go there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, sorry. We, uh, we, so, yes, uh, you had a thought and I stopped it. No, but the but the and there we were. Uh, we're we're young kids with dreams. Oh, so many dreams. Uh, hanging out with, uh, but our peers were people who went to all these Ivy League schools, and uh, and nowadays the uh, NBC Page program is harder to get into than Harvard Medical School. No, that's a true I, I story. That's, that's true. a fact. Uh, yeah, well, Don't tell that one. Although to tell you, I, I couldn't possibly get into Harvard Medical School, so, but I could probably figure out a way to get into the Page program at this point. Uh, anyway, look, it was fun. You got to run around and be in a, a major television network when NBC was still one of those. You know, so obviously this is a long time ago. This is this is the twentieth century. That's how long ago that was. And uh, it, it, we used to we used long to give before to, the days of when you could do a radio show on your phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I still had a pager when I, when I was a page, that's not me trying to make some kind of joke. I literally, I had a beeper. Okay. So just to use it, I'm going to one up you on that. I had a beeper that you had to dial a 800 number and then a pin to, to check send your, me a beep, to oh, send me, to send me anything. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, no, my well, mine was a nine one seven number, so it's a, so your, yours was a little fancier than mine. But also, I, what I remember about mine was that I could listen to a voicemail. Somebody could leave it was like under a minute, but you could only listen to it once. You couldn't save it, so you could replay it. And if you need to get a number, you'd have to replay it a few times. Or, you know, maybe, look, if, uh, if a nice lady left you a message after a good night, you might listen to it two, three, four hundred times. But eventually, you got to hang up, and then it's gone forever. And <laughs> kids today aren't going to understand these kind of problems. Jeff, you never had a beeper, did you? Uh, it's called Snapchat. Yeah, well, yeah. The- yeah, but you can do a screen grab of Snapchat. You can. Yeah, but then it tells them that you did that. Yeah, I feel like you can dirty. work around that now, right? Yeah, there's workarounds for everything, but, <laughs> but I'm just... or so you hear. Yeah, yeah you so don't. I've, I don't do that. What? Yeah, no. I'm a good person. You are a good person. So uh, we briefly talked about late night television, but I think I kept talking so much. Tom, do you watch any of the show? I know you get up in the morning oh. to do the view, but do you record any of them or check stuff out online? Do you? I are there any you're still interested all, in? And I don't watch any. No, and I feel bad about this. And I think this is. The, and I say this as a white man aspiring to have his own late night talk show. Uh, there are too many white men with late night talk shows. And there's just so much great content out there that I just got tired of trying to keep up with it. Yeah, I think that, I don't know, the hosts that are out there are just ones that I'm not that excited about. I would say that if I, you know, I think that. Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel both do a good job as hosts when I happen to have seen them. And, you know, Jimmy Kimmel's going to be hosting the Oscars coming up. And Jimmy Fallon hosted the Golden Globes. They're good hosts. Their shows can be funny. But I don't know. I don't watch them. And yes, Jeff. I think the difference, I was just thinking about this because I was thinking why I don't love these late night shows as Mm -hmm. much. I think it's because they're comedians who know how to please general audiences, which is important for keeping an audience for a show like that. But they're not comedians like Letterman or Leno who had teeth when they needed to. Like if an interview was going south because the guy was being a dick, Letterman could fight back and actually make something out of it, make it more entertaining. Whereas Jimmy Fallon's just going to be like, okay, uh-huh, you're the best. Yeah, well, no, that's a good point. And, you know, ultimately it came down to the fact that, you know, Letterman was an asshole but in the way that you love to see that on TV. And everybody's everybody's fairly nice now. You know, uh, Stephen Colbert and Seth Meyers, they'll be tough on, you know, like Republicans or people that they ha- they feel like they need to stand up to. But in general, yeah, they, they don't really bring teeth to it. And, you know, the one of the things that I hear from a lot of comedians about Jay Leno is that he's so funny off the air and he could be so mean and everything. He just kind of went middle of the road for the TV show to have mass appeal, which, look, everybody needs to do that to some extent. Letterman's 1130 show was a lot different than his 1230 show. But... I would have loved to have seen the Jay Leno that everybody tells me, you know, was backstage at comedy clubs. And, you know, Dennis Miller would talk about how if you made an appearance on a TV show that wasn't good, he had it. And this was at a point when, you know, he had like a Betamax. And you'll appreciate the reference, Tom. If you did a bad episode of Madam's Place, Leno had it and he put it on the big screen and he'd pause and be like, let's see what went wrong here. You know, and he had like a laser pointer and, you know, they would break it down and, you know, it happened to everybody. So in that sense, it's all good fun. Like, that's what I would like. I would like to see that Jay Leno. It's like, "Eh, let's see the clip here, you know. But no, that's not that's not what he gave. He gave us the dancing Edos. That's what we got. We got the dancing Edos. But here's here's what I liked about Jay Leno to, to your point or the opposite. Jay Leno at least owned and admitted he was in the middle of the road. Yeah. 
You know, our That's modern true. guys, they think they're edgy. They're trying to be hip. Jay blatantly said, I'm aiming for the 84-year-old in Nebraska. Yeah. You know, like, whereas everyone else is pretending they're hip, Jay Leno was never hip, and that that I admired about him while I was watching Letterman on CBS. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, uh, I think I think that's a good point, and I, I don't know. I think it would be great if there, you know, I, I don't know, I think it's more a testament to the media in general. I feel like all these hosts kind of have the same ideological outlook, and that's probably because show business slash Hollywood is, is mostly very liberal. I would like there to be somebody that has at least a slightly different viewpoint. And you don't get a lot of people like that. You know, you have Dennis Miller, you have Greg Gutfeld on Fox News. And then there's a lot of like online shows and things. And I don't know. It's just they're all they're all very preachy and they're all telling you, you know, this is what's right. This is what's wrong. This is important. You know, uh, Bill Maher is probably one of the edgier people. But at the same time, it doesn't seem all that different, except he gets to swear, you know, and say whatever he wants. So it all seems very familiar. And maybe it's just because I'm old. But I also think that the talk show genre is is just not something that is as important as it was because network television isn't important. Honestly, basic cable television isn't as important. You know, you can launch your show, like you said, on your phone, but you know, it, it can, you can launch your phone in the back of a cab, you know, the, the, uh, you're going to, you're going to watch the, this sketch from the tonight show while you uh, go up the upper West side, Tom. Well, here's a silly question I have for the both of you. Do you think they've even gone easier on celebrities? Like I found Mariah Carey, really didn't get as beaten up as I thought she should be. You know, and it's a, it's a good point. I was really surprised because there was there was some of it, but you got it more, you know, like in radio and then on Twitter and stuff. But you're right, because I probably people would like to book her on the show, have had her on. And I don't know exactly who represents her, but I'm sure it's somebody major with other clients. So you just, you know, look, you need to play that game to some extent. But the, I don't know. That was pretty funny. You know, it's not something we talked about. It was hilarious. About. It was an American moment that yeah. everybody shared. TV was relevant for five minutes and it got glossed over. It really did. And and to some people took it to the extent that they felt bad for her. And honestly, look, you can feel bad that she was in that situation and that happened because you like her for some reason, although I hear she's a terrible person. Uh, you might like her, but <laughs> at the same time, it can still be funny, you know, like – Funny things happen to people you like, and you can laugh at them, you know? Like Jay Leno showing your bad Madam's Place, which, by the way, made me realize that Dennis had done a Madam's Place because that was the episode that he had done. And yes, indeed, Dennis did do an episode of Madam's Place where he was interviewed by Madam the Puppet. For people who don't know who Madam was, it's think about Lady Elaine Fairchild from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood in Atlanta Make Believe. Now imagine if she had a talk show. That's basically what it was. But... I don't know, Jeff, your thoughts about Mariah Carey. You might take in a little bit more media than I did, you, and not the incident that happened, just the way that people reacted to it. Like, on that night and that day, Twitter was going crazy because she was not, you know, she, there there was a track that she was not synced up with and it didn't play right. You know, it's the same thing happened to uh, Ashley Simpson when she was on That's, SNL, you know, and we and heard a lot more, hoedown. we heard a lot more about that. You know why? Because she's less famous than Mariah Carey. And that's one of those instances, Tom, where you live on the West coast and you're like, all right, something crazy happened. Everybody's talking about it. And then by the time you see it three hours later, you're like, oh, this is pretty amazing. But 
I'm already a little let down because people were talking about it so much. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think we see that in general, though, don't we? That people maybe are easier on celebrities, to your point. I would think that we have enough outlets whose entire purpose is to expose every little thing any celebrity does and scrutinize them to the max. As we have T- TMZ TV shows now that are yeah. on daily to tell you, like, oh, Mariah Carey left a big stinky shit in a McDonald's bathroom. Like, she's getting enough flack, I would imagine, from all <laughs> of the point. obsessive, like, personality, whatever, journalist people, obsessive uh, celebrity mags, that you don't need to do that on a, a talk show. It used to be that was the outlet, like, oh, this is our chance to talk to this person, and we've heard about this potential rumor, like, you got anything to say about it? But now it's already been so, like, dissected and discussed. It's never relevant by the time they come on something big like that. And, frankly, the idea of someone being exposed for not doing their music live is, like, a joke at this point. Well, especially, we the Chili yeah. Peppers do the Super Bowl and blatantly not plug their guitars in <laughs> yeah. to, to purposefully show us, like, this is not live. Yeah. This is pre-recorded. It has always been that way. We're just not going to pretend it's not. No, look, I think you're absolutely right, and it shouldn't be surprising. It's more the way she reacted to it. And by the way, the TMZ story you referenced about Mariah, Car- Mariah Carey, it was uh, – I remember that episode. Uh, it was They talked about how she left a, a stinky shit, but it was actually in the back of a limousine. It was, she oh. would never be in a uh. McDonald's. So oh, just sorry. Imagine. It was from McDonald's. From, from, from McDonald's, yeah. She had, <laughs> she had one of her minions feeding it to her. But anyway – Hold uh, on, I just checked TMZ. Uh, Mariah Carey's booked on next season's uh, lip sync battle. <laughs> lip sync battle. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. And I think that it's such a weird time because people are very nice to celebrities. And, you know, you used to be able to make fun of people more. But to transition to the the enormous elephant in the room is that – Obviously, no one has any problem making fun of the president and not saying that they should, but it's like that's pretty much where everybody's attention is focused on. And, you know, when when Trump was elected, there were a lot of people that I felt good for the people who I knew really felt like it was an important change to be made. And Tom, I talked to you. You were talking about it. You were in you were in Florida or were you also in Pennsylvania or? Wait for the election? Yeah, before the before oh. election day. Oh, but- I oh before the election day. I'll tell you, I knew we could argue about what Trump did nationally, but I knew Trump was not going to carry Florida. Um, I spent a lot of time. But you in knew Florida. that Trump. You knew that Trump wasn't going to carry Florida, but he. But I'm he- sorry, not, not. I'm sorry that Hillary did yeah. not have Florida. You're right. right. Uh, uh, there was not a single Hillary Clinton sign uh, between Orlando and Tampa. And then from Tampa to 100 miles north, you know, nothing. Yeah, and I and heard I, a, I heard a similar account from somebody that I knew that was in Pennsylvania. And look, there's there's a lot of people that they felt like that was the kind of change they needed. I mean, I think that for a lot of people, it's easy to forget just how unpopular President Obama was, and that they kind of wanted anything else, and they knew that Hillary was more of that, and they'd sort of seen that show already, and and it's ultimately what they didn't want. And it's the hubris of putting in an unpopular woman into a popularity contest. Right. If if Bernie Sanders had run against Trump, we would be debating right now the biggest political issue would be 
that darn Bernie Sanders is trying to send too many of our kids to college. <laughs> and a lot of people would be very upset about Stupid it. But jerk. Yeah. Well, especially because, you know, honestly, you, know, you don't even need, need to go to college anymore. So, yeah, the, you're absolutely right. That's a perfect way to boil it down. It's just like, oh, we got this. We can run somebody that we know everyone hates. You know what? We can run Lady Elaine yeah. Fairchild from the land of make-believe on Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And, oh, my God, she didn't win. And the, the problem right now, poor Trump is so mean that we don't look at the things Hillary did wrong so we can learn from the next time. Like right. When she ran against Bernie, she called every Bernie supporter a sexist. And then after she won fairly or not when she got the nomination, she's like, hey, remember all you people I called sexist? You're going to wake up on uh, November 6th and vote for me, right? You know, it's the uh, deplorable people that voted for Donald Trump. To Trump's credit, all the things that people are upset about well, he said he was going to do all of it. And I think a lot of people, myself included, were like, well, you know, people say a lot of things when they run for president. They're not going to they're not going to try and actually get that done in the first week. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, maybe at the end of 100 days, you get one of those things in. And, you know, somebody explained to me that, I don't know, had business dealings with Trump at some point just to keep it vague. And no, it's not Dennis Miller, because I realize if I, I actually know a few other people, I say that not for the people on the show, more of the people listening and that he only sleeps about four hours a night. That's why he's up tweeting at two in the morning. And oh, wow. I, I feel like you can get a lot done then. And whether it's stuff that you as an American who maybe didn't vote for him want done, it's a lot of stuff that's getting done. You know, President Bush went to bed at like nine o'clock and I think that Obama went to bed at 10. You know, there's a lot that you can get done after 10 o'clock. You know, if I went to bed at nine o'clock, well, I kind of do go to bed at nine o'clock, so never mind. <laughs> that's no, why but Felix wakes you up at 10. Well, it's kind of, you know, at this point, it's basically if he's asleep, I should be sleeping. But I don't know. And I mean, I... I look, I understand that people feel like, okay, we had eight years of somebody that we were really opposed against. Now it's our turn. And I felt that way on inauguration day. You know, I was just like, look, these are people that are, they feel like they're getting a chance for their voice to be heard and the issues that are important to them. And it just sort of took a turn again after only a week. Uh, where it was like, okay, but you know, you said that you were going to do the thing about the uh, the foreigners from the the Middle Eastern countries, but why aren't there any of those Middle Eastern countries on there that the nine eleven terrorists are from? Oh, because your businesses uh, all have dealings with them, and well, I don't know, maybe there's oil in those countries. I don't know. You know, there's there's a lot of theories there, and people were very upset when they all of a sudden people that were had filled out paperwork and were immigrating to the country were turned away at airports and well, rightly so they had paperwork and they were coming from places. And I know that a lot of people are scared of what Syrian refugees can be and what people from some of these countries can be. And I'm, I'm not making light of that. I think that Trump said that we need extreme vetting. Well, it just sounds bad, but in theory, yeah, we, we should take a look at these people, but people that are already been approved, you're going to just one day be like, oh, they can't come anymore. Oh. Yes, uh, well, Jeff's going to... Well, or not even just one day, Christian. They did it while they were on the plane. Yeah. That's, I mean, and, and quite frankly, and then we could, ar we could argue about uh, immigration reform, which quite frankly, I like Trump 
or I, I don't want to say I like Trump uh, th- because that's going to get me hate mail. Uh, but quite frankly, Trump is not wrong about pointing out certain problems that yeah. the immigration system is broke. Uh, the reason why we don't need to build a wall against Canada is Canada is trying so hard to keep us out that there's <laughs> security there is fine. Yeah. You know, um, but 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 what he did with this one, and I made my first donation ever to the American Civil Liberties Union uh, an hour or two ago. And where I get passionate, I don't know if you knew Crystal. She, there was a girl, Crystal Bahami, who I interned with at uh, Conan. I don't. But I don't she, think I knew her. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she posted something thoughtful about how uh, she had friends and relatives who only had green cards. Who were afraid that if they were went to a funeral to go, you know, a loved one's funeral, that they couldn't come back because they had a green card from Iran. Right. Whereas a guy with a green card from Canada could go back and forth a hundred times. Um, and that's where I said, you know what, we're breaking the deals. We could argue about who else we want to let in. But uh, but what Trump did this weekend that shook me was we've broken the deal we've made to our own American brothers and sisters, that naturalized citizens like my grandfather uh, are afraid of leaving the country or getting kicked out. And I always like to point out that my grandfather fought for the wrong side in World War II. Uh, My grandfather would have hung up a picture of Mussolini in the house had my grandmother let him. (laughs) Uh, I mean, not quite that bad, but, you know, but my grandfather was uh, was a fascist or or fought for a fascist army. And uh, this country gave him a chance. And we're you know, I'm not saying we have to do that to every single person on Earth. Uh, And maybe we have to and we do have to fix the system for how many people come in and giving them the resources they need to succeed. But, geez, we broke. uh, And I don't mean to rant, but I, I was heartbroken by this one once I realized what it was. Yeah. You know, it's not because it's not just, okay. don't let anybody in from Iran this week. You know what? That sounds you know, that doesn't sound so bad on paper for a second. Um, Or don't. But then you go, wait a second. But people who already we did deals with. Yeah. I mean, um, I I saw the the headline that I saw was, uh, you know, the the woman who was from Iran, but had lived here for seven years. She was a Ph.D. student. She couldn't get back in the country. And, mm -hmm. you know, a few weeks ago, there was the the women's march, which there were a lot of people that I follow. Tom, one of whom we were pages with, who's very outspoken on some of these issues. Uh, She made fun of it. uh, Shalare. And oh, oh, I yeah. Yeah. So I uh, made fun of it. And, you know, there was some level of, well, what are they doing this for? Wasn't there already election? Even Trump said that until he said something more magnanimous. But what you had over the course of the weekend where this happened was you had people who just kind of jam packed the airports and they actually, you know, took action online on the phone and actually went into stuff in person. And look, it made a difference. So you can say that people standing around and complaining about a president in parks throughout the country, maybe that doesn't do anything other than just show we disapprove. But this was something people felt was wrong, and they did something about it. And Jeff, you've had something to say for a while, and I want to make sure that you get to add. (laughs) I I guess I qualify as a millennial insofar as my age. Because you're under 30, yes. Yeah, Yeah, technically Uh, you're a millennial. It's like under 34 or something. And so... 
you constantly getting shit on as a generation is really obnoxious because it's like, oh, you guys all got participation trophies. Okay, you gave them to us. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Uh, yeah, that's true. You you bitch at us for years through, through the 2000s about how, oh, the millennials are all fucking lazy. They don't po- protest anything. They don't get it like our generation did. Now we're protesting, and all it's like, oh, just accept the decisions. Come on. Like, we've already done the election. We already did this. And right, that. and what they do now is they call all of those protests, they call them all snowflakes because yeah. they're so delicate and individuals. And look, there are plenty of people that are lazy millennials. But, uh, Tom, I believe you and I were part of Generation X, who was really, you know— basically labeled you know we were millennials before there were millennials you know they were like well they look at them with their their flannel clothes and bad music they like candle box i decided to pick a really shitty band <laughs> but you know and you know so there's always going to be some degree of that obviously you know the but, damn hippies I, that needed to cut a hair cut their hair and get a job i'll say one thing for our generation we did apathy right <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, look, the the 90s is not a period of a lot of social unrest, you know. And look, there wasn't a lot of crazy things that happened. But, you know, the millennial generation. And that's why all your singers killed themselves. Well, yeah, because they knew that it, was, it wasn't going to get any better. By the way, Eddie Vedder's still alive. Thank you very much. But, yeah. So I that, just made a song about suicide. <laughs> yeah. the, peri- the 90s were a period of unrest because there wasn't really any crazy thing that happened. Now you can see some breadcrumbs, some tea leaves of things that were the shape of things to come. There was... The bombing at the World Trade Center that nobody remembers except for maybe those of us who lived in New York oh, at the time. Yeah. The one that was the, the truck in 93 that didn't actually work out. And, you know, we now realize that they were like, oh, yeah, we got to do something different than that. And, you know, there were uh, bombings by later we realized Osama bin Laden at some U.S. embassies in, in Africa and some other places. So in terms of, you know, like Somalia was the big Real problem, which, by the way, is a place that Trump won't allow people to uh, emigrate from is is, is Somalia. Because he saw Captain Phillips. Yeah. And he's very scared. <laughs> I am the captain of this ship. So I am the president, president now. I am president now. Guy, I'm the president <laughs> yeah, now. I think that, you know what? That's probably what it is. He's like, I don't want that guy showing up at the White House. And he's taking... really convincing. <laughs> that guy's great. That's how I became president. <laughs> I am the president now. There wasn't a lot to be that upset about. And the thing that you you can say about millennials, depending on how old they are, you know, probably when they were in high school, 9-11 happened and maybe they didn't live in New York and it was like a still a faraway concept. But when we were in school, like the the moment that we used to point to, Tom, they just commemorated it a few days ago from when we're recording this, was when the Challenger blew up. And I remember I was in fourth grade and they came and made an announcement during class and told us that that had happened. And that was sort of a very weird thing because, you know, that that never happened, but they felt like we needed to know, which of course just upsets a bunch of fourth graders like I was at the time. But still, like that was kind of a defining moment of like, that was basically the extent of our where were you were when this happened and older generations had the Kennedy assassinations, either Kennedy assassination, Martin Luther King, you had things like that, but that was really all we had. And I'm not trying to belittle the fact that, you know, seven astronauts were killed in the blink of an eye, but I mean, that's an accident. You know, that's not an attack. That's not a murder to have to wrap your head around nine 11 as a kid. I, I can't imagine. I mean, I was in my twenties, my late twenties and if I couldn't wrap my head around it, you know? So can you definitively prove that the aliens from independence day didn't shoot down the challenger? No, I cannot prove that unfortunately. And I can't, I can't 
disprove the fact that the aliens from Independence Day haven't done all of this, that they didn't actually put Trump in the White House. <laughs> that Trump is really a giant robot yeah. thing, and there's a little alien running around in his head. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that to sort of try and bring it all back together, the the – there's a lot of complaints, and look, I have a lot of uh, friends and followers and stuff on social media who are a little bit more conservative than I am, let's say, and they're angry that people are protesting the president, and they don't like hashtag not my president. When some of these exact same people said hashtag not my president about President Obama, mm -hmm. look, the president doesn't have to be your president, but the fact of the matter is he's the president, and one day you'll be able to say she's the president, but that's not now. So, you know, that person's the president, and you can say that they're not your president, but you do have to realize what's happening, and there are a lot of people just kind of were thinking that maybe they can put their head in the sand for four years, but if it's really that bad and you really disagree with it, do something, and I like that people did something. You might not agree with what they did. People listening to me right now might have felt like Trump did the right thing by putting that out there. But these people felt strongly enough. They did something. The ACLU steps in. A federal judge steps in. And, you know, the president's not supposed to be able to just sign 20 laws in a week and have them all get enacted. So that's interesting. Yes, Jeff. A point of view that I've tried to take as somebody who obviously leans more uh, towards, I guess, liberal ideas. Sure. Um, but I don't, like, demonize conservative ideas either. I, I try to hold opposing viewpoints in my head, as strange as that may be. Right. Uh, it, I've tried to treat it as the way I wanted people to treat Obama. In my opinion, I kept being like, look, you don't have to like his policies. You don't like have to like his decisions. But he is the president of the United States, like an elected position. So you should respect the position, even if you don't respect the man. And so that's how I'm trying to treat Trump's presidency. I don't necessarily respect the man because as a human being, I would want nothing to do with him. But he is the president, so I'm not going to go out there and be like, everything he did is stupid. Someone should kill him. Because it's like, you don't say that. That's you a don't terrible... Say that. yeah. I just hear too many people who are like, even jokingly saying those kinds of things. And it's like, it wasn't appropriate when it was, the shoe was on the other foot. When it was your president and they were saying that about yeah. him. So it's not appropriate now. No, I, I definitely agree to that. And here's the thing, that your idea, your outlook on trying to just you know, respectfully disagree with the person in the office, but still respecting the office of the president. That's a fairly radical idea for a lot of people because that's kind of the outlook that I have and the idea that you're willing to be like, hey, maybe it'll turn out all right. Now, it became very hard to do that over the course of only a week. Yeah. I really thought like for a while, it's like, let's just see what happens. And oh, there's a lot of crazy shit that has happened. Uh, you know, this is a guy who said he was going to make America great again, but I didn't believe that he was going to make America great again for two reasons. One, I think America is great to begin with. Two, he couldn't make Atlantic City great again. And that's a place of legalized gambling. So if you can't make Atlantic City great again, you're not going to make America great. Tom, yes. Well, if I know, well, two things. I mean, you just went off on a, uh, you were about to start on a whole other thing about whether or not Trump will make America great. But the one thing missing, and this is why I believe Trump won, uh, and I think it's missing with the generation of millennials and it's missing with our generation Xers now because we've forgotten. We have forgotten how we don't talk and listen to each other anymore. That's absolutely and true. Obama I say as I interrupt you on my podcast. <laughs> yeah, as I try to speak louder than you so that I can get recorded. But anyway, finish your thought. I was about to quote Obama. <laughs> 
Michelle Obama? Quietly, you know, it's funny. It's funny how from 3,000 miles away, you can squash me so fast. No, uh, I'm saying no. to myself, I'm the one that interrupted you. And yeah, I know, it's funny. It's yeah, funny. it's much funnier. So that back way. to me, back yeah. to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, back to you. Back to me not listening to you. Uh, no, but that's the thing is like w- the problem was nobody – you know, everyone just said if you liked Trump, you're racist. And it's more than just – oh, if you, uh, and it's more than just if you like Trump, you're racist or if you don't – if you like Trump, oh, your factory is closed and you're pissy. It's more than that too. Quite frankly, even when we're talking about on you know things like civil rights and uh, things that are important and just I think that people are tired of – uh, like with Obamacare, I know people who you know who, quite frankly, make too much money for Obamacare, um, but not enough to get their own plans, Where and they're still paying a tax on it. Uh, that, quite frankly, Obamacare has left people sitting in the middle of nowhere. Our policy in Syria created the Syrian refugee crisis. Uh, we've ignored that. Uh, quite frankly, NAFTA, I've been screaming about NAFTA since Ross Perot in 1992. Uh, you know, but nobody engages in the conversation. We pause and just wait to give our rebuttal. And I think that's been, and I think even with what's happening now, um, we're so eager to have a protest. And quite frankly, these protests often turn people off to the very causes we can win them over for. Um, it wasn't until a few people had a couple of nice discussions with me, one-on-one, um, where I had a greater understanding for Black Lives Matter, quite frankly. Um, you know, it's because people sat me down. Instead, I was saying, hey, why are you blocking up traffic on my way to work? And quite frankly, if we protest every day, it makes the protests less special. And I think that's something to think about, too, because there's going to be a lot of excuses to protest every day starting now. Yeah, and I look. I don't want to marginalize the what they basically called the women's march that was the day after inauguration day. My wife went. I know a lot of friends that went. Uh, but a week later, they had something more, you know, something very tangible to march for. So I'm not saying that they shouldn't have done that first march. Just be careful what the next one is. I think they want to do something for uh, income tax day because we still haven't seen President Trump's tax returns, which I believe I said on the show that I do uh, for After Buzz TV, the Trump report, that we will never see those tax returns because he doesn't have to show them to us, even though yeah. they always have. But it, he's... It's either going to be we make he makes way more money than we thought he did or more likely he has a lot less money than we think he does. And he's built on whatever the idea is that's in between those two possibilities. But uh, Jeff, Uh, I was just going to say, I think the protests work as long as they're a show of solidarity, not an outlet for frustration and anger. Right. It's, It's easy to think like, oh, I'm angry. I should go out and protest. But that's what leads to the violence. I think the important idea would be like, you know what? Like, I don't like this. I know there are people out there with common ideas. Why don't we go out there, get together and be with each other, showing them that we don't appreciate this, but while also discussing ideas on how we can impact our immediate community. Right. Well, and if I just want to add one thing, I always tell the story of my friend, uh, father Lou, uh, and Christian, I know I've told you about him before. My, my, my friend, father Lou, was a 80-year-old Catholic priest um, who was in the Army at one point in his life. He basically was an Army chaplain before he became my college chaplain. And the story with him goes, you know, he hit a point after I went to college where he probably went on a pretty strong anti-gay rant for a while. Um, 
And he turned a bunch of people off to the church. Um, but there was this one guy, uh, Chris Dawson, who, despite no matter the mean or not even mean, not hateful, but disapproving things Father Lou said about gay people every week, uh, Chris would counter by just gently sharing his life with Father Lou. Uh, and I would argue probably 10 years later, uh, so when, around when Father Lou turned 85, um, through the years, you know, he realized, wait, this guy's got a husband now. They're monogamous. Wait, they adopted a kid. They adopted a kid together. And, uh, the, and Father Lou saw, wait, these guys are great parents for their kid. And suddenly the emotional wall in Father Lou's head about gay people came down. And he went on a two-year rant of personally apologizing to every gay person he knew he offended uh, his last voicemail, outgoing voicemail on his answering machine is uh, champions love in all its forms. Uh, and the reason why Father Lou came to this opinion was there was a guy who gently shared his life every time he interacted with him, but didn't demand that somebody win the argument. They had the conversation. They had the conversation over and over again. And I quite frankly can't imagine how much emotional energy it took for this gay man to talk to this stubborn priest. But over a 10-year period, if not 15-year period, uh, again, the walls came down. And I think there's something to be said, too, about just gently engaging with people and not making them feel like an a-hole if they're ignorant. No, I think that that's the point that you were sort of trying to make when we were having some fun earlier is basically that people don't want to listen and have a conversation anymore. And it's, it's, it's a lot of echo chambers. You know, I, I have a, I have a Facebook with a lot of liberal friends. I have a different Facebook with a lot of conservative <laughs> friends I've noticed and that. you know, it's just because one of them grew out of the Dennis Miller show, which those were the people that I was like, all right, yeah, I, I will follow them here. And you know, there's some cross pollination, but not that, that many of people that are in both. And so that's the interesting experience is that there are two very different echo chambers and nobody, and, and, you know, obviously I'm generalizing, not nobody. Most people don't want to hear what the other side has to say because they know they're right. They don't think that the other side has a chance of being right. They're just like, no, I'm right. This is what I think. And, you know, I feel that way about myself. Obviously everything that I think is right. And once everybody comes around to it, the world is, is going to run a lot more smoothly. And, just taking the chance to talk about it. And, you know, look, I wish that there were more conservative comedians who were happy to talk about, you know, their issues. But it's very hard. I mean, we talked to a comedian up in New Hampshire a few weeks ago here on the Blackcast. He doesn't do any political material anymore uh, because it's just, you know, you're just going to alienate half the crowd. You're going to get people really upset. It's not worth it anymore. You know, and I know I you're a comedian. Yeah. And, no, and I'll tell you something with my in my social media feed. I've made a mistake of uh, talking about politics too much. If let's, for the sake of this story, let's pretend I'm middle of the road. Uh, I've managed to alienate, alienate, quite frankly, two thirds of my followings. 
Yeah. Well, you know, the the final point I want to talk about, because believe it or not, we're actually out of time. I know uh, Tom's got a, a busy evening in the big city. Yeah, <laughs> I know. There hadn't been any wacky horn in a while. This was decidedly non-wacky horn material, but I'm glad it's back. But the last thing that I want to talk about, and obviously we're still talking to Tom Kelly at Tom Kelly's show across all of his platforms, was uh, something that you actually messaged me about. Uh, you were a little bit unsure about weighing in on the comment. And uh, I, I thought, you know, understandably in, in this day and age, you need to double check these things. But it was the uh, Saturday Night Live writer, uh, Katie Rich, who had the tweet oh, yeah. that Baron Trump would be the first homeschooler, school shooter, I don't remember the exact wording, whatever the wording was, it wasn't funny. And it also was inappropriate. So it's the bad combination of the two. And your point to that was, it was bad. And uh, we can forgive her for it. And uh, talk a little bit about the piece you wrote, you wrote it for Huffington well, Post, right? I wrote it for Huffington Post. Uh, and it's, it's a great, the problem with comedy nowadays is you don't you're performing for a world stage all the time. And, and I want to point out with this girl, Katie Rich, uh, I don't, I've never heard of her before this incident. Um, she has 11,000 followers on uh, Twitter. And I only dropped this number, not to sound like I have a big wiener, but to say I'm a nobody too. I have 22,000 followers on Twitter. And quite frankly, being on the black cast is the best booking I've had in 2017. That's where my career is at. Yeah, well, I only have three thousand okay. followers, so that'll tell you that that'll put it all in perspective. I got and fired, and I have two hundred. <laughs> yeah, he. Yeah, we don't. I don't want to derail, but uh, Jeff got fired because of something he tweeted, and he has two hundred followers. But anyway, no, and this is the problem now. And where you get into gauging your free speech, uh, the woman is a comedy writer. She told a joke; it wasn't funny. Uh, and quite frankly, not only was it not funny, it was effing awful. Let's go. Th let's go that yeah, far. I agree. It was awful. Let's let's make let's not. I, I won't diminish the outrage, but uh, whatever it is, the joke goes viral. I have no doubt in my mind that this woman has received multiple death threats without having to ask. Uh, I, I have no doubt in my mind. People have given her death threats. People have said her ass should be kicked. I, I have no doubt about any of this in my mind. And she wrote a graceful apology tweet. And I think once you apologize for the joke, you should be forgiven. Because as comedians, if we don't cross the line, we won't know where the line is. Which I think is the, you know, I, I enjoyed getting the chance to read the piece before you posted it, but I thought that that was the most salient point in there. And that's the point, you know, I mean, we know a lot about comedy. There's a lot of terrible things that get thrown around writers' rooms, just between people that you know that what they're saying. And that's something that maybe could have been tried out in a comedy club and booed and then like, oh yeah, what was I thinking? But that's the problem with the age of Twitter. Now, yeah, she should have had the sense, I have a job for a network show, a job that, you know, Tom and I would literally, well, let's not say literally, Tom and I wouldn't murder someone for, but you know, we, we would have. At one point, I would, point I would have. murder her for it since no one would be upset with you. That's true. <laughs> you get, get away with it. And now, she should have now, had now, the. Now, I should get fired for laughing at that that's joke. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? And th there'll be letters. But that's, that's kind of the point is that she should have known better, but it's hard in this day and age. To know, it's actually in reference to the line in the film broadcast news 
they talk about stepping over the line. William Hurt talks about it, stepping over the line, and it's so hard to know where the line is if they keep moving it. And you need to kind of test the waters a little bit. But, you know, look, I didn't like it when Rush Limbaugh said that there's also a White House dog and showed a picture of Chelsea Clinton. I didn't like the, you know, reports. Although, honestly, the reports of the Bush twins out of college sounded like, oh, they sound like a lot of fun. But I didn't like people talking about them. I didn't like people talking about Sasha and Malia. And Aaron Trump, for God's sakes, he's 10 years old. You know, I mean, you know, Don Jr. and Eric Trump, you can talk all you want about them. They're out there on, on the trail and they do kind of look like children of the corn, but they're adults. And that's yeah. why you can do that. Eric clearly well, purges. Yeah, <laughs> he definitely <laughs> purges. Uh, that's, that's a great observation. Uh, but in any case... Uh, yeah, a few things, but one of the few things, and you just made a great point there. One of the few things that I think we can all agree Donald Trump did right was Donald Trump essentially kept Barron off the campaign trail. And he's an adorable kid. Uh, you know, he may not always look happy, but he's adorable with his luscious hair. Yeah. Um, and, See, and it, frankly, people it, who said that he looked bored during the inauguration, that's fine. I don't, you know, you can say that, but it's, you know, when you involve him in the middle of a joke, especially a joke about school shooting, which is also something that's not funny, by the way, school shootings. But the right school shooting joke, yeah, I, I admit, I would probably think the right school shooting joke is funny. I don't know what that is. You know, well, Columbine you know, joke, and you know what it is? So Jeff, long, uh, Jeff Ross, probably right. Conan O'Brien's longtime producer, had a great line uh, If you go low, you better be funny. Yeah. And that was low and it was weak. Uh, you know, and remember when we talk about people making fun of things that are sacred. Uh, a president's young kid might be sacred, but uh, 9-11 used to be sacred, and Comedy Central now has done three roasts, if not four, where they've had Pete Davidson on the panel, and they're doing 9-11 jokes about his father. Yeah, because his dad died uh, in one of the 9-11 yeah. attacks. And as which, the son yeah. of a New York City fireman, I, I have trouble with that, uh, and I go to comedy clubs where people make that joke, and I, I walk out, and it bothers me. Look, uh, I, I think we could do a whole conversation of future black cats, and maybe we will. Rape is now something that a lot of people make jokes about. And women make jokes about rape and, you know, and, uh, and abortion and things like that. And I, I don't know where the line is on those either. But all these things that are taboo, you have people that kind of push the envelope a little bit, you know. Using the C word is now, like, very commonplace, probably solely because of Sarah Silverman, maybe also Amy Schumer. But, you know, all these things that were, and I'm perfectly okay with navigating the waters and figuring it out. But when, you, when you're wrong, just admit that you're wrong, and I think that that's the problem that a lot of people have. Uh, Tom... We will have to do this again soon. It yeah, has been much too long. I, I love this when we do it. Yeah, this is great. We have a lot of we have a lot of fun talking, so we'll do it again soon. But everybody can find you at Tom Kelly Show and including on Match.com. So you know, single ladies out there. Uh, and if I may make a deal here at the end of the podcast, I will donate five bucks to the charity of Christians Choosing for each tweet I get that says you heard me on the Blatcast. It has wow. to be from a different account. That's uh, that's uh, yeah. So not from at Blackcast. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. You can't like have yeah. Heather send me twenty tweets the, from the same account. The charity of my choosing is Felix's College Fund. In any case, Tom, uh, <laughs> it's it's been great. Uh, we're uh, we're coming up against the fact that I've known you for almost twenty years, which is insane. But uh, we will do this again. There's uh, there's so much to talk about in the world. But I really appreciate you for making time on the Blackcast. That's Tom Kelly at Tom Kelly Show. Thanks, Tom. I treasure your friendship, friend. Thank you for having me. All right, we'll talk to you soon. And we are out of time. 
time here in the Black Cast. But before we go, make sure that you tune in after the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday. We'll be doing a live Black Cast on YouTube. All you have to do is follow the Black Cast, like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at BlackCast, and you'll find out all about the live Super Bowl wrap-up show that we'll be doing. So for Jeff DeRay, actually Captain EO at Jeff DeRay, and for Christian DMZ, that's me, Christian Blatt, at Christian DMZ, of course, at BlackCast, BlackCast.com, and The BlackCast on Facebook. We will see you next time on The BlackCast. <laughs>